Hi everyone, welcome back to Turf and Tarmac, the SECU official podcast with me, Rachel, and our host, Callum. This season on Turf and Tarmac, we've been speaking to some of Scotland's top riders from across the motorsport disciplines to find out a bit about their riding experiences and their favourite moments of their sporting career. This week's guest was Stuart Mack. Um, Stuart Mack's got a pretty cool story, actually. Um, he's also the son of the chairman of the SECU, Sandy Mack. Um, Stuart's raced in a variety of championships across a few disciplines, um, most notably the World Championship Hard Enduro um, Championship. So um, he speaks a bit about that and about his journey all the way through. Um, you know, every, every rider we've spoke to so far has had some hurdles along the way, and Stuart's um, just the exact same. So it was really, really interesting listening to him, and he speaks a bit about how passionate his dad is, uh, his dad is as well. So definitely worth listening to, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So today on the podcast, we are joined by Mr. Stuart Mack. How are you doing, Stuart? I'm very good, thanks. How are you, Carl? Yeah, not bad at all, not bad at all. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about a bit about yourself, You know what discipline you're riding, how you got started here? So yeah, um, I'm Stuart Mack. Um, I kind of do three jobs. It's quite complicated, really. Obviously, I'm just always burning the candle at both ends. Um, to trade, like when I first left school, I'm a joiner to trade, so... Really, I see joiner is just a way to make money to do my sport. Uh, I'm in the army reserves, uh, so at the minute that's put most of my like full time employment. That's what I mostly work with. But uh, since getting involved with the in the army elite sports program, a lot of the time with the army I've been spending to use with training. So the army have connected me with Edinburgh Uni through TAS uh, Talent Elite Talent Elite Sports Scholarship. So, uh, yeah, a lot of the time I'm spending time in the gym at Edinburgh Uni. Obviously, I've got an uh, injury at the minute, so most of my time spent uh, physioing and going through all my rehab. And, uh, yeah, my third job would be, I'd say I'm semi-professional at Hard Enduro, trying to become professional. But, yeah, it's quite hard, and especially coming from Scotland. And then in motorsports, it's really hard to make it and make a full living out of it, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the thing about... Living in Scotland, like you say, it because we're kind of like secluded and the, the top of the British Isles, it does make us quite. It's def- makes it difficult for us to get there because the Scottish Championship is like at this level, the British Championships up there, and then the World Championships yeah. above that. So we've got like an extra an extra step. We've got that little bit of extra yeah. travel and things like that. Um. So yeah. So do for you me, the hardest part is England has so many. Well, not so many, but there's a lot more full time riders in England. But in hard enduro, I'm really like the singular like person who's almost full time. So if I want to train during the week, I'll, I need to be traveling three, four hours to go training with people. So straight away, it's not just like you can get up in the morning and go practice. You've already got to like be thinking ahead week to week, like you're traveling to here, you're traveling to there. So, yeah, going from Scotland, it makes it a little bit harder, but I still don't regret living here. Like hard enduro, like hard enduro is mega in Scotland as well. Some of the places we can go. So. Do you, want, do you want to tell us a bit about hard enduro? Because a lot of people might, might not actually know what it is. Um, you know, like there's trials enduro and hard enduro is a completely, it's a kind of a completely different thing again, isn't it? So do you want to tell us about yeah. So a, a good way to explain, if anyone knows what trials is, hard enduro is really just trials. Uh, we'll go over rock gardens, up hill climbs, um, yeah, over logs and stuff. There's t- two sort of disciplines. We have like super enduro and hard enduro. So super enduro is what people see a lot of the time on the TV or whatever, when we're going through cities and climbing upstairs and jumping log to log and 
they have a indoor world super enduro series um which was meant to be like this year i went out to spain during the winter to train for uh, i was there for three months training super enduro because with super enduro the trouble is is any other country in the winter it's it's raining all the time pretty much and hitting a log double jumping from one log to the next in the rain is just one of the sketchiest things you could ever do pretty much so uh, yeah i went out to spain to train for the super enduro this winter but uh, that that ended up getting cancelled but they were going their plan was to run an indoor super enduro in uh, poland over a week and do four events over the week and super enduro would normally be like 10 minute motos um in a stadium and they'll set out sort of like motocross style as like a loop but obviously with the super enduro style is like log like matrix we call it with logs uh rock gardens all this kind of stuff and then hard enduro which is my main sport really super enduro i've only just i went over i went to spain in the winter to train for it and have a go at it but i've never actually competed in it and then um hard enduro which is my main sport but yeah, I'd say it's really just like a big trial with lots of technical stuff, hill climbs and stuff. But obviously, you're, you're racing as you're doing it, trying to get to the finish line. But often at world-level events, it can be so tough that literally we'll all come to a hill climb and like the winner is just who can push to the hill. The, 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 like everyone's off the bike, can't even ride up the hill. And it's just who's the toughest and the greatest to push to the top of the hill pretty much. It looks like it's a proper like elbows out, like try to bash by people, like proper, not yeah, proper, yeah. not aggressive, but you need to be aggressive in order to to get to that point, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Especially like the street racing that you see. A lot of the time, it might be like barriers really close to each other, and there's crowds like crowded in on each side, and you're just like, there's not even enough room for two or three bikes, but then there's five bikes somehow like side by side, elbow like trying to get the first line or. Yeah, it can be quite gnarly at times. Like, so that's kind of like obviously like the elite level that we're talking about just now. Do you want to tell us a bit about how you got started? Did you start in enduro, or what was the what was your kind of progression up through? Yeah, so I, I like a lot of people that end up going to hard enduro. I, I began in trials, like from a young age, I'd done trials. But really, I'd say a lot of the people that I competed in trials with, or maybe when I was younger didn't compete as much and I wasn't as often riding a bike or I'd have like a year or two spells where I wasn't even really riding a bike just with my family moving about a lot and stuff so um yeah really in trials I, I think all the people that were riding all the time were maybe like progressing more and they were the more the ones that were getting to where they wanted to be in trials but as I got older I think I, I never really made it to the level I ever wanted and then yeah. my sponsors or old sponsors at Clums Vita they'd uh, mentioned about swapping from trials into enduro and I'd always sort of like quite fancied enduro so uh, yeah I made the swap and then yeah ever since but like the first sort of years in it I had a lot of technical ability and I was really like quite talented in that part but it just took a while to get to the speed and obviously when you come from trials like in trials in a section or whatever normally when you get into into bother you'll turn the throttle off and you'll try and like fix the air and maybe hop and bounce but in enduro when you get into trouble you like put the throttle on and try and save it almost i don't know if it's similar in road bikes a lot of the time maybe you get a speed wobble or something like that you want to be on the power not off the power like a lot of the time in uh, in road racing you know like if if you start to get a moment you, you're almost like feathering the throttle to try and fix it or you're like feathering the brake to try and fix it but watching yeah. 
I, I was looking on your Instagram earlier on and watching some of the stuff. I think this was um, down. I can, it was down a down a like a stream that it was all covered in rocks, and you could see as you yeah. got to the bottom of the hill that the bike was getting a wee bit like out of control. And like you say, you just literally pinned the throttle and kind of almost kind of like wheelied over the rocks to try and make it quite smooth. And yeah, and, uh, if you to go, you can't really do that going slow, can you? So like you say, it was quite. No, no. Cool I'm trying to think what video it is now. Thinking back, but yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's different techniques, especially when in trials, like obviously trials is normally a lap of twelve or fifteen sections. So your aim is to go round that lap in each section, keeping your feet up the most amount. So in trials, when you dab your feet on the ground, you get a point and then it goes up to three points. You can't get more than three points. And then if you crash, that's five points. So like when you're going through those sections, a lot of the time you're wrestling to just keep your feet on the pegs. So if you have to stop and balance for a minute and set yourself, you'll do that to keep your feet on the pegs. But in duo, the aim is to do that as quickly as possible. And if your feet touches the ground, you don't even care. You're just, you look at that rock garden, you're just thinking, how can I hit this as fast as possible? Whereas it's just two different mindsets. Like they, they both have technical skill, but one's like get from A to B as quick as possible. And one's get from A to B, like feet up as skillful as possible, really. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, arguably, they're, they're two, like you say, they're two completely different things. And the skill level for both of them is so, so different, but equally as hard, isn't it? I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I was at an event, um, I can't even remember what it was, it was with one of my sponsors, and um, there was a trials bike there, and the competition, if you like, was to try and stay on the trials bike for as long as you could. And, yeah. you know, just by staying still, you know, just by moving the handlebars, moving your weight about, and you see people, um, you know, doing it, and you're like, "Oh, it looks easy." Like, you know, I'll have a go at that. Every two That's seconds, you're falling off. You know what I mean? Every two seconds, you're foot down. Like people look at trials and they think, "Oh, it doesn't look that hard." And you wouldn't believe the people that have never rode trials bikes before. They get on and they literally get so disheartened because they actually didn't understand how hard it was until they get on the bike. They're like, "Oh, I can't bounce on the back wheel. I can't do any of this stuff." And they don't realize how hard it really is. Like. Like you saying with that competition, like I'd always say that to motocross riders or like in a race from A to B, but the race is the last person there. Like I, I would think I would always win because I'd be able to just like balance and it's hard, but a lot of people would go and the thought of balancing is quite scary for them. Like the slow part is really hard. Like it's, it's pretty, I think it's pretty mental to be honest. I mean, like, you know, the, the skill, like you said, like I said, the skill level for both of them is so so different, but it's also the the bike control and stuff is quite similar, isn't it? I mean, it's just at a much yeah, yeah. faster pace. That's it, definitely. Yeah. But then the the stuff in like road racing or even motocross, the skills that people do that I think, like, how do they do that or how do they? Or I watch motocross and when they hit jumps and then there's like. 20 ruts going across the jump and then they seem to just go in the air and go whatever direction and they still just seem to land with both wheels on the ground and I'm like like I would just land it land on my head if that was me <laughs> like it just wouldn't work out like that like yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely so what what made you change from going from trials into enduro then uh really just I'd probably done when I was 16 because um like I'm six foot five and I've always been like a monster and weighed so much. So when I was 16 and I rode a one, two, five trials, but or 15 go turning 16, like the bike was just always so underpowered for me. And I feel like 
although it's good to learn on smaller bikes because you learn so much more technique and you're, you you can't like count on the engine to just get you out of trouble or like your technique has got to be perfect when you're on a smaller bike. But the trouble was, was I, I probably weighed like five, six stone more than everyone else. So on a 125, I was just struggling like mad in the sections. So at, at 16, I, I moved on to a bigger bike and then started going to British Adult Championships. But I've probably done... Uh, no, maybe... Uh, yeah, 15, I've probably done youth. And then I've probably done two or three years racing like adult trials championships. And yeah, just in the expert class, the second top class, I just never, I was always like right on the edge of the top 15 and just never seemed to break. And it just seemed like I would put a lot of effort into training and I would, my results every year just never seemed to get any better. And then at the top level of the trials, it's, it's quite niche. It's very like, I feel like you either make it or you're just like struggling to even do the sections. Like British level trial sections, like, there's not even a lot of people that could even turn up and attempt the sections. Like some of the sections are so difficult that there's not many people that would even look at that and think I could get through that section, never mind do well at, at the sport. Like, so yeah, there was a lot of sections. I would go and I would just have a lot of fives and a lot of bad days. And it just started to feel like I was plateauing and I just wasn't enjoying it as much. And just when the opportunity come to do enduro, I would just relish the change. Like I really, yeah, just jumped it like. And it's been it's been a very very good change for you, hasn't it? I mean, what would you yeah. say you're you know like speaking from through the years and trials and then in enduro, um, well hard enduro, um, what was what would you say your greatest achievement's been, or what has been your like favorite part of that process? I think I just loved it when like in trials. I felt like like now when I look back, I think I maybe didn't put as much effort in as I or I didn't ride my bike as much as I thought I did because now I realised to do the things I do, like the amount I need to be on the bike, it's just like, like you need to be on the bike every single day if you want to be at that top level. So like back then, I think I thought I'm training so hard for this and it just never seemed to really go anywhere. But I, I really did still feel like when I went from trials to enduro that I felt like I put a lot of effort into trials and sometimes it just felt like I got nothing in return. Whereas enduro, I've always felt like if I'm, like busted my arse and put loads of effort into training it always sort of like paid off like obviously you get bad results but I felt like I would train really hard like sort of the first year that I had a year where I got like originally they gave me an enduro bike and I was doing trials and enduro and I, I didn't do that many races but the first year where I sort of committed to a full British season like I mind that winter like the, the first time I got an enduro bike I realized oh, there's potential here, I could maybe do well. And then that winter, I spent like the whole winter just like staring at the bottom of a swimming pool. And literally every day I would swim for like an hour pretty much. Like looking back, it probably wasn't the best way I could have like put my effort into my training. Like there's probably other things that I could have been doing, but in my mind, it was just like train, train, train. But like even just doing that alone, I, I felt like when I went to the events, that was the year that I like in the clubman level in British, I started winning races and I thought, like, I'm putting all this effort in and I'm actually getting some in return and it felt like maybe this is a sport for me and I actually felt like you were getting reward for your effort where trials, I just never seemed to get that and then it just, yeah, it just adjusted with me. And even now, I feel like I put loads of effort in and as as long as you don't cut any corners and you put as much effort in as possible, like, you'll get returns for that. Like, I, th I think that that's actually quite a good message for everybody. I mean, like, it's the same in, in uh, 
in road racing for myself. I mean, you and it's, to be honest, it's the same in most walks of life and in most things. You know, you get what you you get out what you put in. Um, yeah. you know, my my best results have came. You know, the past I've got had like PBs and I've been riding probably the best I've ever ridden. And over the winter time, I lost like fifteen kilos. I was in the gym every other day. I was doing something every other day. Um, you know, coming back from the injury on my hand was in two thousand nineteen yeah. was was quite difficult. And you know, I've at that point I wasn't putting in what I should have been putting in, and now I'm putting in that plus some. You know, it's like one hundred and ten percent. You're reaping the rewards of that, and that's the same in every walk of life. It's the same with uni. It's the same with school. Whatever it is, you know what I mean. It's you. You do definitely do get out what you put in. It's like something. Like for me, it was like something clicked though. It was like before in trials, I, I felt like I was putting all this effort in and then I was getting nothing back for it. And when you feel that way, you might feel like, well, what's the point in really trying or what's the point? And it's like something clicks when you start putting the effort in and you start reaping all these rewards. It makes you just want to put more and more effort in. And each time you just grind harder because you you, you know what you're going to get in return for it. Like. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I've been doing this year. You know, like I'm kind of I'm riding the wave at the moment. Like I'm kind of on the the upwards wave, um, and I'm just riding it for as long as I can because everything's yeah. kind of going pretty well. And I think you definitely need to do that, don't you? You need to once things do start going well and you do start getting a bit of confidence and, um, you know, like pushing those boundaries for yourself for the bike or for whatever it is. Um, you do need to keep riding and riding and riding that for as long as you can. Yeah, I think if I'm honest, I think I've had a crash. <laughs> but I think I'm, I'm at my bottom now, but I'm on my way back up. Like my season this well, British season hasn't went very well for me. Like the first round, like considering I spent uh, like three months in Spain, I like honestly felt like I'd had the best winter I've ever had in my life. Like, like the training I put in, I was just absolutely like it, pretty much every night in Spain, I, I'd eat my dinner and just like pass out of my bed. And it was just like every day just felt like, I couldn't have got any more out of that day. And I just, yeah, the winter just felt like the best winter I'd ever had. And then I came home and then there was just like, it just felt like as soon as I came home, there was so much going on. We were trying to sort of bikes and it was like, I don't know. I just felt like really rushed before the British season started. And then I, I like the week before the first round of the British, I got um, like quite ill. And I was actually, because pretty much my season was starting with a uh, British championship. The weekend after there was a world championship in Portugal and then the weekend after was another British championship. So I knew like the beginning of the season was going to be quite hectic. So I kind of had to get a lot of things sorted. And then, um, yeah, the week before the British, which I now know, I went and done a, a motocross. I, um, uh, it was a sun motocross and I put my leg out and uh, I dabbed. I never came off. I just dabbed the ground. And at the time it hurt quite a lot. Uh, well, it hurt, but like, I got back on the bike and I tried to stand up and it hurt, but I can just finish the race. And then it, on the Monday, I was like, it was swollen and I was like, couldn't walk the best. But like, I put all this winter effort in. I had all these races coming up and I was like, like, I just need to put this to the back of my mind at the minute and just sort of crack on. And uh, yeah, and then like literally the day after as well, I started like getting cold and I started feeling ill a bit. And I was like, like nothing could seem to go any worse now when I really need it. Like I spent a whole winter in Spain busting my ass and I never got ill or anything. And then I started getting ill. And then when I turned up to the British Championship, I knew I wasn't 100%. And I raced and um, I, it was kind of immediate. Considering like last year in the, the British Expert Championship, I finished second. I had a, a P7, so it was kind of mediocre. But considering how things would went, I kind of just took it and I thought we'll move on and like get on with it. And then... Um, 
yeah, I went away to the next, or the first round of the World Championship in Portugal the weekend after. And um, yeah, that even that way, like not personally for me, but the whole weekend kind of went disastrous. Like we all turned up there and a lot of people had spent thousands of pounds to get away to Portugal to do this race, the first World Championship. And um, I think the original plan was to do Super Enduro on the Friday, um, a prologue on the Saturday, and then the main race on the Sunday. And normally in Portugal, uh, in Porto it is, we go into the mountains and we can do two laps of like two and a half hour laps. So it might be like a five hour uh, race in total. Um, and then on the Friday night, uh, the FIM had a meeting and then we all got informed on the Friday night that like pretty much the racing was going to be cancelled and we weren't allowed to leave the paddock. And the, the, the paddock had the Super Enduro track in. So pretty much we could only ride the Super Enduro track. But although Super Enduro is fun, people that travelled miles and not to ride a 10-minute Super Enduro track, they travelled miles to ride the mountains and Poro and stuff. So, yeah, a lot of people were very pissed off. But I could, to be honest, I knew my knee wasn't the best and I was still a little bit ill. And I'd spent all winter training Super Enduro. So I kind of thought, like, 10 minutes on a Super Enduro track is probably the best way it could go for me because I, I was like, I feel like I'm going to struggle. I'm going to do it, but five hours in the mountains I might struggle with, but 10 minutes you can sort of, like, get on with it. And if you're hurting at the end, it's like, it's not that bad. So, yeah, a lot of people were annoyed with that, but I kind of just took it for what it was and, yeah, worked out really well for me. I ended up second in experts, like, overall in the world in Portugal, so... I was buzzing with that, but then the next weekend I came back to the next round of the British and uh, I just had another bad weekend. I was running okay. I think I was top three or something, but the, the first and second have just been really fast and experts this year. But then on the third lap, I got cross rutted and like fell into a big puddle and I, I didn't think anything was wrong with the bike, but looking back, I don't know if it got water in the carb or something. And uh, yeah, I, I, I pitted and swapped because obviously when I went in the puddle, I was just soaked. So I, I swapped like goggle, uh, goggles and gloves and everything. But then the first hill climb that I got to, I, I was hitting the hill climb like flat out and it just would not rev out. And I would get halfway up and the bike just wouldn't go any further. So I couldn't get up this hill climb and I had five attempts at it. And I mind uh, a person, Mark Hewson, that's, uh, he rides in over 40s and he's been like really good with me like over the past year with advice and stuff. Um, he was there and he was like, come on, Stuart. He's like, get up the hill, get up the hill. Looking, thinking like, how can I not get up this hill? And I'm just absolutely pinning it and the bike would not go anywhere. And I had like five or six attempts and it, I, I got to the point where I was like, the bike just will not let me up. So then I had to DNF that race. So yeah, my British season kind of went to the knackers and I was kind of like, I don't know, down, but I was ready to just like move on and move forward. And then the after that British, I was then getting myself back on the building site because Normally, I bounce between reserve work and reserves, let me train and compete, and then bounce between when I'm sort of getting low on money to fund my racing. I go back on a building site because I can make good money as a joiner. So, on the Monday, I'd planned to go back on a building site for two weeks, save up some money to go to the next world round in Italy. But then, literally, on the Monday, I was on a roof and then I'd been on my knees all day. And then, obviously, with my knee injury, when I got back from work, I like lay, lay on the couch and then when I stood back up, my knee just locked up and I just like collapsed. So I was like, Jesus, like after the, like, the bad time I've been happening, then my knee locked up and I'm like, can anything else really go wrong? And then, but then luckily the army have got me tied in through Taz with Edinburgh Uni. So 
pretty much I got straight in and seen a physio with them. Originally, we thought I'd torn, I seen the doctors, but originally we thought I'd torn the meniscus in my knee, just the way they were moving it and the way they thought it was reacting and stuff. And then I got the MRI and uh, it was osteochondral defect. I've got my knee, so there's a 11 mil dent in the bone in my knee, which I didn't even know was possible. So obviously when I've dabbed, the bones have like hit that hard together that I put a dent into one of the bones in my knee. So I didn't even know that was possible. So yeah, I'm currently um, on the recovery process for it. I think it's not, you can't get an operation or anything like that. So you've just got to let all the inflammation settle and I'm just rehabbing every day to try and get my legs stronger for when I can eventually come back. And yeah, I've been off the bike so long at this point that I'm, I'm like, I, I don't mind the gym, but I'm just like, I keep doing it. I'm just like, I just cannot wait to get back on this bike. Like, this is going to pay off. Like, I just cannot wait to get racing again. Like, hungry for it. Really hungry. What would you say your goal for the season and next season? So what would you say, I'm assuming that the short-term goal is to to get better um, and get back racing. And what about for the kind of end of this season into next season? Is the plan to just continue on the path you you are going to be on? Uh, I've I've kind of had mixed feelings about what I want to do next because, well, obviously, my British uh, extreme season is kind of knackered now. I've missed too many rounds to even compete for the championship. And then obviously the races I did were like bad results anyway. Uh, so yeah, I'm really just, this whole month I've just to rehab and get my legs. And then I injured my shoulder last year as well. So I'm just using this time to rehab my shoulders as well and get them strong. So yeah, I'm just using this month to get back stronger and just put on a bit of muscle to be stronger. and then. Uh, hopefully get back on the bike in August and then uh, the next I was originally planning to go back for the next round of the world championship in October in Spain but then I actually had a, a message from the event organisers the next event is the 11th 12th of September in Poland and they sent me a message asking them if I'm racing so now I'm thinking well I try and get back even quicker and get to September but yeah we'll see what happens so at the minute yeah just to get recovered and the World Championships, I'm kind of just taking at the minute is like a learn. It's my first year really doing World Championships. I've raced before in Turkey, Sea uh, Sky, but it's it's an international race, but not a World Championship. So this season was really just a learning season and learning all these races. So if I can rehab, get back stronger and get back and just get back to these world races, like that's all I can really ask for. And yeah, hopefully September we'll get back out to Spain and then start training for it. So. Yeah, just building back really to get on the bike. And then I'm not 100% on my plans for next year, to be honest. I've got a, f- a few plans. I'm actually thinking, obviously, I do extreme enduro, but I'm thinking maybe mixing it up and trying some normal enduro, time card enduro, which is more faster. And it still has technical aspects, but less technical and more faster through woods and stuff. So yeah, I'm thinking of maybe having a go at that next year just to mix it up a bit. Like I've done five seasons of British Extreme now, so I'm kind of like, it's, it's sort of like same races, same venues every year. So I'm just like, why don't I mix it up? Wanting to see some new stuff. I mean, like the next the next question after this is, you know, it's probably a, a difficult one for, for, for you to answer. But, um, you know, like within the sport, where do you see yourself in like five years time? You know, a lot of people who we've been speaking to have been saying, you know, like the in five years time, it's, it's too difficult to say where you're going to be in five years time because of like financial reasons and, you know, all sorts yeah. of different uh, reasons, you know, you, you can't really think that far ahead, but you know, like in an ideal situation, where do you see yourself in five years time? I'd really, cause at the minute I'm, 
obviously in British and Jury we have the pro class, the expert class, and then the clubman class. So I started off in clubman and I managed to win that. Last year I was second in the experts. So like the normal progression is obviously to try and like dominate or do well in the experts and then make it into the pro class. So really because I've kind of been second in the extreme championship, that's why I'm thinking next year I might try and juro and see if I can compete to win that championship. So yeah, at the minute I'm trying to do well in the experts to sort of prove myself that I'm ready to move up to pros and then long term in the next five years, I'd really just want to be in that pro class and just battling towards the top end. Like I know I've got the potential and I'm capable of it. I just like every year since I've started in Drew, I've always got better. Even though I'd probably say my well, not really, because I've had a good world championship result, but British wise my results have went down this year. But I'd still say ability wise, every single year I've gotten better. So like there's no reason in the next five years I couldn't be competing pro class at the top level, trying to be one of the best, really. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, in any sport through all of this, I mean, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, you know, you've had no. all the progressions all the way up through. And, you know, like, as as a rider, I mean, I've no, I know through my whole career from racing many motos and then going up through the classes in the road racing championships, you know, I've had so many challenges, whether it be injuries, whether it be financial challenges, you know, there's so many different things that come into it. I mean, what yeah. what challenges do you see you've faced in your career to get to where you are today? And then obviously looking forward, you know, that there's so many challenges ahead. Yeah. Really changing from trials to enduro. Like when I look back, I think, oh, it was an easy change and I just took to enduro. But really... There was a two-year process of really where I didn't have a, a clue what I was doing in the sport. Even looking back at my training, I'm like, you wasted so much time not really training as good as you could have. Like, I, I wasn't really aware of the best ways to train about just about the best strength and conditioning you can do towards your sport, which I'm now more aware of. Um, yeah, so challenges, just that change from sport to sport was quite difficult. Like since I've got this injury, I've been like looking back and thinking of the injuries and pretty much every year since I've started enduro, I've had an injury every year that I've had to deal with. So, yeah, especially in extreme sports like this, like a huge challenge is you can't let yourself get down when you get injuries because it's just part of the sport. Like you're, you're if you're pushing at a high level and you're constantly pushing to try and be better, like mistakes are going to happen. And you're going to end up injuring yourself. It's, you can't let the mistakes be. It's about how you can overcome them and become better from that. Like, even with this injury, as much as I'm like, oh, I'm not riding the bike, then I'm, I'm like getting bored and I'm thinking everyone else is like, I'm looking on Instagram and everyone's racing every single weekend. I'm also looking at it as like, I've never had this much time to just like focus on the gym, on like my weaknesses. Like I always think I have a sore back and then the physios, like you've got weak hamstring, like not weak, but like that's my weakness is my hamstrings. So like at the minute, I'm literally just, spending all the time in the gym working on all these weaknesses so that hopefully when I get back on the bike, then I don't have as many weaknesses or I'm getting on the bike and I'm stronger and I'm feeling like it's because obviously the bike weighs over hundred kilos. So then I'm feeling like, Oh, I like it's easy to move this bike about it. I'm making it do what I want it to do rather than it making me do what it wants to do. Like, yeah, you've just got to look at these setbacks rather than just seeing this negative. You've got to look at them as like, how can I overcome this and become better from this? Like, yeah, I mean, like this, you know, it's a really, really good point. You know, like in, injuries, I think, are 
especially in our sport, right? Our sport gets a bit of a bad reputation for for being like the you know adrenaline junkie, hard, you know, I mean, really dangerous if you want to call it that. But you know, yeah. like doing doing what you did to injure your knee was literally. I mean, you could do that stepping off of a bus. You could do that in gymnastics. You could, you know, under yeah, yeah. hand a bit funny. You know, our sport gets a really bad reputation for being like a really dangerous sport. But, you know, in reality, the injuries that we get or the majority of the injuries that we get, you can get in most sports. Um, yeah, they're quite and, common, really. Yeah, that's it. And, um, you know, like, the as a, as you say, as a challenge, you know, being resilient and overcoming the injury, overcoming all the challenges that we face. And, you know, because at the moment, I mean, the biggest challenge that everybody's faced at the moment has been, I mean, you know, COVID-19. I mean, it's been the... It's been a huge challenge in itself. What how, has COVID affected your training at all for the past the past wee while, or is have you been able to you know get over that a wee bit? Yeah, really in Scotland because since it started, there hasn't even England. I felt like went back to riding and having practice days and stuff like before Scotland. Uh, just with, I think Scotland had. Like it's it's me looking at a sportsman being like I want to get my bike. It seems bad, but like in general, it's probably a bit a good thing that we're a bit more reluctant to get back quicker. But yeah, in Scotland, I feel like in England they were back on bikes quicker, and yeah, you. But you can also just look at everyone else and think, oh, I'm I've got it harder than everyone else, and you can just look at it that way. But yeah, I, last year I think a lot of the setbacks was really struggling to get time on the bike, but. Yeah, I really just used this, like, when, it, when lockdown first started, I tried to um, get myself some work just to make money, and I just could not find work anywhere. I could not find a job. Like, I was trying to look for delivery driver jobs, anything, like, and I just struggled to find work. So pretty much I just, like, put my head down. And I thought, well, if I can't work, I may as well work towards my bike. So, yeah, pretty much during lockdown, I, I, I got a swimsuit, a road bike and then a pair of running shoes and then I bought disc weights and a barbell and like every day I was either like triathlon training pretty much doing road road cycling running or I started doing because I couldn't go to the pool and I love going swimming the beach were like right next to the beach so I would go to Gullen Beach and I was like doing like lengths of the beach pretty much so I do one of these three or um, strength training in the gym so yeah pretty much every day I was doing that and when I eventually got back on the bike like it just felt like I couldn't tire myself out. Like I just, the fitness and strength I had, I was just, I could just push like so many levels and I just felt like it's like I can't, I couldn't tire myself out. Like, yeah, it just, lockdown ultimately paid off for me because I came back from it so fit and strong. That's why I felt last year my British season went so well because I just felt like no matter what I would, it, when it came to the end of the race, I just had that extra bit of go if I needed it. Like, I mean, that's that's one of the things that, that that we said you know for us personally um we had a big injury in 2019 and you know coming back from that was was so difficult but the delayed start to the 2020 season was actually sorry yeah it was 2019 and then going into 2020 the delayed start actually kind of probably benefited us a little bit we would never have wished yeah. it happened but you know in our heads you know it was actually not not quite as much of a bad thing as what it could be because it gave me time to recover yeah, yeah. more and um you know kind of almost prepare yourself again for the, the season coming um, and you know and that was quite a, a, mo a motivational thing for me you know like having that almost that carrot dangling you know the carrot was dangling in March but we weren't quite ready we weren't quite back up to fitness and then after yeah. that you know it was kind of like June July by the time we actually got racing and that carrot dangling there you know was just like right I'm wanting it now I'm wanting it like I was yeah, yeah. 
to get you to know it. you're like ready to get back and now you're like just buzzing for it like yeah absolutely i actually forgot about that like last year when lockdown really kicked in that was the second that's why it, the same for me with my injury it paid off like dividends because the second round i'll not go into too many details with this injury because it was a bit of a gruesome one like the second round of the british championship um which was end of february so like right before lockdown about um half halfway round the lap it's obviously the two and a half hour races so i was about an hour and a half an hour in and uh i don't know if i like i barely even remember the injury but i don't know if i sat down too quickly or what but then like i started getting pain like down there in my like testicular area and um yeah i just i, I got pain there but I, sometimes you get pain i thought i just like hit them or you just get pain sometimes and you think you just crack on with adrenaline you get on with it and yeah I, I then finished the race and when i took my trousers down like i was just black and blue down there it was just like i looked and i was like this isn't right like there's something wrong here so we, we yeah i was with my dad and my mom was so obviously i said i'm gonna need to go to the hospital i think and we got in the van and we said uh when when i get home we'll go to come into the hospital as i hadn't we'll go there i was like yeah no bother and then 20 minutes in, like adrenaline mustard have been slowly like wearing off and the pain was just getting unbelievable. Like I, I didn't know what to really do with myself. And then eventually I started looking up symptoms and it said, oh, what's it called? Pretty, pretty much I'd twisted my testicles. So I'd twisted them around twice. There's a, oh, what's, there's a fancy name for it, but I can't remember what it is. But yeah, and I started Googling symptoms and it said that whatever the fancy name is, if this is what has happened, if you don't get seen too quickly, like they might have to remove it because it cuts off the circulation. And I'm looking and I said to my dad, I was like, like, we need to go to hospital. He's like, yeah, yeah, when we get back. I'm like, no, like we, I'm like four hours away from home. I'm like, we need to go to hospital now, like as soon as hospital. So yeah, we rushed into Blackburn Hospital and I like waddled in. And by this point I was like keeled over the desk. I couldn't even hold myself up. Like I didn't know if I was going to be sick or what. And I just, I remember my mom tried to explain them what had happened. And the woman was like, so did you hurt yourself playing football? And my mum's like, no, I didn't hurt himself playing football. Like, and my mum just like, I was trying to rush the woman to get me in because she seen I was in pain. And then she said, oh, it can be like an hour wait. And I'm like, Jesus. So I sat down and honestly, by the time I'd sat down in the waiting room, like I just didn't even know what to do with the pain. It was just like I've broken bones and everything. And like, they don't even come close to this. Like it was, seems like such a weird injury, but it was horrendous. And yeah, eventually then, my mum spoke to the woman and they said, um, you can go in and see a, uh, go speak to a doctor. And when I went and seen the doctor and I said, like, I've got pain down there, they were like, oh, we're going to have to get a surgeon. We're going to have to get you seen quickly. And I was like, literally within, I was probably in a room and, and like, my dad's obviously in the army. So he's seen people get morphine before. And he said that like the amount of morphine they gave me, was like, that was a big dose of morphine. And they gave me this morphine. And it didn't, it did not even touch the sites. Like they gave me the morphine and I still was like, like, can we go to the operation? Because I need to put out, like, I cannot handle this. Like, I, I honestly got close to, like, I felt like I was on a panic attack or something because it just got so overwhelming. I didn't even know what to do. It was like, yeah. So then eventually, they, like, literally within half an hour, 45 minutes, they rushed me to an uh, operation. And then I woke up with a big jock strap around there and a lot of bruising. But, yeah, they've sorted it now. So, yeah, That's it was pretty bizarre, but... I was going to say, that's a proper crazy injury. Like, you would, I've no. never heard of that before, ever. And like you say, no. I mean, that's, that's something that, like, you could never plan for and you could never, like, it just, sometimes it just happens, doesn't it? I mean, like, yeah. 
if you don't know where it's come from or yeah that's, that's, but they say that i think people from when they're quite young that um i think like you can be quite loose down there and it's like more likely to happen to some people than other people and i actually have experienced pain down there before when i was younger but I just never like eventually just because I think I twisted it around once before and it like worked its way out and sorted itself but this time because it went twice like it just was not working its way out like it was just stuck that way like so oh, yeah that is honestly brutal I mean like you know look yeah. at, looking at, at that you know I mean like coming back from that injury you know it must have been pretty difficult I mean what what can I what was your motivation to like what's your biggest motivation as a rider you know when you kind of come overcome challenges like that what motivates you to keep going i just like love the whole process like i'm not because i think when i first started enduro i think because i was like working full time i'd do an eight hour i would go to the crossfit or the gym in the morning and then i would ride my bike at night and i feel like I needed to grind that hard to really get to where I was because it helped me, yeah, improve so much. But I think back then I grinded so much and I didn't really enjoy the process as much as I do now. I think it just used to be absolute grind. And like after work, I would go to get on my bike and I wouldn't be like, yes, I'm getting on my bike. I'd be like, right, let's go, let's ride. Like, and just sort of like try to motivate myself. But now like, if like the most important thing to me is just enjoying the whole process. Like, like really if you have a short life and I, I might get a short career in this so it's like if I'm not enjoying the whole process like it's just seems like a waste to me like it's such a fun sport so yeah what motivates me is just enjoying the whole process like I love the the part of just seeing small improvements and just week by week just like tipping away and then I love turning up to a competition and when you've like not missed any corners and you've trained so hard and I love when you get a result of that competition and you just like the whole thing just seems like it just like pays off and you just enjoyed the whole process and you turn up and get the result for it and it's just I just love the process really the whole thing like you know like the 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 thing is as well see when you put in so much effort it's sometimes quite difficult to even enjoy it at, at you know see see for instance you go to like a competition and you don't do quite as well I mean it's sometimes quite it's quite a difficult pill to swallow sometimes yeah. but you know see if if you go to somewhere and you know that you've trained the best you can and you know that things haven't quite worked out but you've had fun doing it I mean it's it makes yeah. it so easy doesn't it I mean like it's not like you say like sometimes when you go to like sling your leg over the bike to go training or something you're like can't really be bothered with this but when you yeah. go and you know that you've gave it your all you've you know maybe not performed to the best that you could have done or things have went wrong or whatever but if you've had fun doing it then it makes it it makes it worthwhile at the same time doesn't it I mean winning's not winning's not everything but it's a good wee bonus if it, if it happens yeah definitely because if you just if if your happiness is purely off results then you're just you, you can't you're never going to be truly happy because you're always just looking for more and more results whereas your enjoyment is the process and you're just enjoying the whole thing then you're always going to be happy and you're always going to be enjoying it like even even when there's moments in your training, like we say, that you're like, oh, I just cannot be riding bothered riding the bike, or you've got a hard training session, and like, like yesterday I went open water swimming, and it started absolutely pissing it down, and I was just like, because oh, at the minute all I can do is swimming and then rehab, so swimming's the only cardio I can do. So I, I, before I was, it was pissing it down. I was just thinking, I just do not want to do this. I don't. I don't want to go out. Like I don't want to go swimming. And then I just told myself, 
I was like, your only excuse for not going swimming is the fact that it's raining. I was like, so you've not really got an excuse. I was like, so just go out and swim. And then actually when I got there, I got in the water and then I think because it was raining, it actually made it warmer and it wasn't as bad. And it was actually quite fun swimming in the rain. So it was like, sometimes you just need to overcome these fears and these feelings of just like, and sometimes you'll actually enjoy the process anyway. Like if you just don't be so negative about it, like. Yeah, that, that, that's one thing that even I've found in the past couple of years that, you know, being a lot of people in motorsport are, are extrinsically motivated, if you want to call it that, you know, like even for, you know, the 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 thing like, oh, I won, you know, I've got this trophy to show for it or whatever, yeah. you know, the, the intrinsically motivated people, the people who are doing it to, you know, improve themselves in order to get a better, you know, a better time for themselves. And, and enjoy it more than anything you know like they they're always happy at the end of a weekend you know what i mean Real, really you know, unless something really bad goes go, really bad happens those people are always happy at the end of a weekend and i mean we we've had times where you go home and in the van and it's complete silence like oh you know over the years it's just silence because everything nothing's went to plan or you've not got the results you want or whatever but you know recently yeah. you just if you go in and have fun and have a laugh doing it then you know what i mean you're going home, home happy that's and then you should come home in the van and instead of being like everyone's heads down, you should like be talking and looking at what the positives we can take from this weekend and what went well. But then at the same time, looking at what went bad and how we can improve on that. But if the only thing you're doing is looking at what went bad, everyone's heads went down and everyone's like, well, that was horrendous. Like, of course, it's just going to be negative. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one thing you, you don't want. I mean, like, you know, looking from, you know, from our point of view, motorsports, like motorcycle racing is the best thing in the world. But, you know, yeah. for, for someone who's maybe considering joining the sport or who's looking in going, yeah, maybe should I get involved as like a marshal or, you know, whatever it is, you know, what would, what advice would you give to someone joining the sport, you know, to say, you know, to try and like convince them? Similar, similar to that, like, don't be extrinsically more extrinsically motivated be no i can't even say the word but yeah be more motivated about um like don't don't go in the sport like thinking of results or thinking of like literally like the most important thing is when you go into the sport is that you're doing it because you're enjoying it and you're doing it because watch because at the end of the day if you're like i want to get into this this sport and i want to do it and then every time you ride your bike you're not really enjoying it then like maybe you're not doing the right sport like i'd say the most important thing is just every time you're on your bike, go out on your bike to enjoy it. And yeah, especially I'd say to people that are trying to make it in the sport, I'd say like the most important thing is just to ride your bike as much as possible. Like you can put as much work into the gym and put as much work into whatever as you want. But like at the end of the day, the sport is riding a motorbike. So if you want to improve and you want to get better, like a bit of advice would be just ride your bike as much as possible. Like, because I think I didn't realise that as much in the past. I think in trials, I didn't ride my bike as much as I thought. I didn't, and I'm like, why am I not getting better? But nowadays, like, I ride my bike every single day, and I'm like, ah, this is how I'm getting better. Because it's just like constant practice will just help you improve, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would, uh, I would say that as well. You know, like um, making sure that your motivation's right to begin with is number one, um, and definitely number two is you know like first of all give it a go somewhere you know like you don't have to go out and buy the best of gear the best of this the best of that you know starting off you know don't put a lot of pressure on yourself and if you do enjoy it and you want to keep going then bike time is one of the most important things I mean like um, personally for me in road racing especially 
um, you know, like the the positions that you're in on a on a race bike is you can't mimic that in the gym. No matter how good a PT you've got, you yeah, just yeah, can't yeah. mimic it. I mean, my, I've got a personal trainer, ABT Fitness, and they uh, we've worked so hard over the winter time. And after my first time on the bike, I was not as tired as I would have been. But let me tell you, the following day there was bits of me sore that I didn't know could get sore. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, right like, really, gym work and all that stuff is just an accessory. Like it can't be the be all and end all like of course it helps and it is like you do need to do it and it, it will help you but if you're the most important has to be riding that bike because you cannot learn it's like ufc fighters and stuff they i think it was conor mcgregor that said like if if there's an opportunity for him to spar and him to be practicing his sport he'll always pick that over any other training session because that's the way you get better is like practice makes perfect you need to be doing what you want to be good at to get good at it yeah absolutely I, honestly i completely agree with with everything you've said there it's, it's the same in every single sport i mean you from from grassroots all the way up you know like in, in most sports you know like people who play football or badminton or you know whatever it is you know like the the way to get better is to do it you know what i mean it's, it's not this it's the exact same and although it's yeah. more difficult to do that in in bike racing you know, making sure that you take every opportunity is definitely yeah. the most important thing. That's what one thing I'd say as well is a lot of the time, like adults who have kids that are racing, they maybe put too much effort into making sure they've got the best, like you said before, the best equipment and the best suspension, and they'll spend thousands forgetting that like the most important thing at that age is just let them ride the bike and let them have fun. Like often they can put too much money into it and too much and put too much pressure on the kids. And a lot of the time it doesn't last. Like the kid like doesn't really enjoy it. And then by the time they're an adult, they go a different way. Whereas I think the people that you seem to go the long way from a young age, they've been allowed to enjoy the sport. There's been not a lot of pressure and they've just been allowed to progress without too much pressure really from a young age. Uh, so it's almost made to be a bit of a joke now it's like your typical motocross dad you know what i mean like yeah. at the side <laughs> at the side of the field like you don't go quick you're not getting dinner and you're not get it in the back of the van yeah. like that's such a thing just now and like you say you know like especially at a young age and even when you get a bit older even people in their teens um although by that point you know you're you're if you are aiming to go higher then it is important enjoying yeah. it so much more important than you know get it in the back of the van we're going home you know what i mean because it does yeah. happen it really really does happen and uh, it definitely shouldn't. Like that's so 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 true. And I'm really glad you brought it up. Like enjoyment, especially at the young age, is meant to be all about intrinsic intrinsic motivation. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. To well, enjoy that's it. how you'll improve the most at the end of the day. Like if you're not having fun. Like you're not going to be learning that much. Like yeah. For yeah. me, it's the people that turn up to a motocross race in a huge hundred thousand pound RV, and you think, oh, who's this? And then they pull a sixty five cc bike at the back, and you're like what like how does that work like i know it's a bit, yeah. it's a bit it does get a bit crazy doesn't it i mean the costs involved obviously is it, it's an expensive sport there's no getting around that yeah. but there is cheaper ways to do it and you can have just as much fun doing it you know like people looking in might think yeah. you know like for instance looking at looking at our superbike you know our superbike is an expensive thing to build but if you go and build a er6 mini twin or a yeah, 500 or whatever like all those things you're still riding the bike. It's not quite as quick. It's not going to, you know, be quite as tricky as what ours is. But let me tell you, I would probably have more fun riding one of them than what I would be riding a superbike because the superbike yeah. is so hard work. And, um, you know, there's maybe a lot of pressure on you in that kind of class. But, you know, like riding 
just because that's like the you know the elite thing you know you don't have to spend all that money to to have fun you know what i mean like, like you can have fun yeah, definitely. Um, you know like just before when i rode trails um i remember i've not actually rode any classic or like older bikes in enduro yet which i would quite like to i got an invite to go oh, there was a scottish classic and i got an invite to go but i had a british the same weekend so i never went but in trials they have the alvey classic two day uh, up near inverness and i managed to borrow an old fantic and like still to this day i think that's one of the best weekends i've ever had on a bike like me and my friend Joe Dawson, he's also from Scotland as well. Uh, he's Scottish trials champion and everything, so he's like you know, been better than me in trials and everything. But uh, yeah, we both had old bikes, and like the amount of times me and Joe have rode weekends together, and there's a lot of pressure, and we're like battling for each point, and we're like, but we went there, and we just could not care like what we, it was like. We were just going and having the most fun. Then at the end of the night, we're getting pissed and having a good laugh, and then. Yeah, it's just what bike like when you have weekends like that, you're like, this is what biking's about. Like, this is it. Like, absolutely, it's a you know you you can get proper tied up in you know being like kind of if you want to call it an elite rider, you know what I mean. It does yeah. you can get really tied up in it, and sometimes you do just need to take that you step back and look in at what's happening and be like, huh, oh, you know, like I need not not so much not care as much, but just not be so focused on you know the thing yeah 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 type thing. Um, like put a lot of effort in and try your best, but not necessarily thinking about the goals of why you're doing that or thinking oh, I need to be going good because I need to be doing this or this. Like, just go out there, yeah, bust your arse and try really hard every time, but have fun while you're doing it, for sure, yeah. Absolutely. Um, just to, that, that's kind of all the kind of main kind of bits kind of covered that I was going to speak about. Do you want to speak about anything else before we go into the final quickfire questions? Um, I had a topic, I think it's like the... It, like I think trials and enduro battling each other, especially within the army, there's it's always been quite funny how I think the older generation, but I don't know if it happens quite as much now. But especially when my dad was in the army, the battle used to always be so in trials we have the Scottish Six Days, which is like our international event, which is up in Fort William every year. It's been going for over. I think they had the centenary in two thousand ten, was it? So it's been over. I think it's one of the longest running motorsport events in the world. So, yeah. So they have the, that for trials. And then for enduro, they have the ISD, which is the International Six Day Enduro. And in the army, especially when my dad was riding trials, the battle was always which was harder, whether it was the six day trial or whether it was the six day enduro. And like, I feel like I'm quite heavily involved in this battle because I was trials and I've done five, six days uh, like trials. And then now I'm in enduro. Like my dad, my dad's battle was always he actually thought it was harder to do trials than to do enduro, and um, we brought a lot of enduro riders across to try the six days trial, and like they would always they, they couldn't be as gentle on the bike or because you're riding across moors and wet bogs and stuff, like the amount of enduro riders that would come to the six days and blow the bike up in the first couple of days because they just couldn't they were just too aggressive and they would just like rev the bollocks off the bike into peat bogs and everything. So, like, my dad always thought, oh, Andrew Raiders can't come do the Scottish. And then in 20, was it 2016 or 17, I went and rode my first ISD. And, like, I just pretty much proved my dad wrong because I went to the ISD and I didn't finish as well. So it was, like, the, the whole argument then went, like, away wherever. But um, I think it's it's a hard one to battle to say this is better than the other one because 
I think, well, like looking back, I think now if I went to the SDE, I'd be more experienced and I would finish the event. Whereas back then, that was my first year in Juro. I didn't have a clue what I was getting myself into. Like I went to the ISDE and it was in the south of France and it was, the, I think the week, the week so in normal in Juro, time card in Juro, you'll have like so many special tests in a day. But because it was six days and then there was four or five special tests a day, like we had maybe 15 special tests to walk or something. And yeah, in two days, I think we walked, was it two or three days? We walked some crazy mileage, like 20 or 30 miles. Like, and yeah, it, we had a heat wave that week. So it was 40 degree heat and we spent all week just walking tests. So before you've even started six days, you're absolutely knackered. <laughs> I went out on the first day and uh, it's like an eight hour day on the bike. And um, I mind uh, getting to each of the checks and filling up with water. And I had a two liter camelback and there was five checks. So I drank 10 liters of water but uh, never put any salts or anything in and I never pissed once that day like I literally must have just sweated the whole 10 litres out of me so obviously you're losing all your salts and everything and uh, yeah I got like uh, a heat stroke or whatever that night and I, I passed out but I just feel like it maybe wasn't because I wasn't capable of finishing the ISD but I feel like I wasn't prepared for that and I wasn't aware of like you need salts and you need carbohydrates and it was. It wasn't. I'd say like even the trials riders in the Scottish didn't finish. I wouldn't say it was maybe because they couldn't do it. Maybe they just weren't quite prepared and they didn't have enough time to ride a trials bike to get used to it. So yeah, it's always been a battle, and I'm still quite determined to go back to the ISD and finish an ISD. Like that's one of my plans for next year. I'd really like to do this ride for the army and ride the six days. But yeah, there's one this year, but it's whether it happens or not. The minute that's the trouble, but. That's, I just thought it was an interesting topic, just the battle between the two, like what which one can be better or how the sports help each other. Or I mean, I think that's actually quite a good point, to be honest, to, to bring up. You know, um, a lot of people, you know, maybe start in one of the disciplines and end up branching out into another, like yourself. You know, you started in trials, yeah. end up going to enduro and then hard enduro. Um, you know, like my, my progression's always been through, like I went many motos, I went to motocross for a couple of years to to learn how to work gears and stuff, but the end goal was always yeah. to jump back on a mo uh, a bike, a road race bike when I was old enough. Um, yeah. And a lot of people, even myself, I, I do some motocross training um, to train for road race. Um, a lot of the people we compete against do trials and supermoto, pit biking. I mean, they all cross over. I mean, you could yeah. go on a trials bike to train for enduro. It won't be exactly the same, but you know, you might find that little bits of one help you know bits of your sport as well so they do all yeah, over quite well. like i actually think now i could do with getting back on a trials bike because i get on a trials bike or even my enduro i feel like i start to lose a lot of the like basic techniques that trials and enduro uh, trials teaches you like i think for the absolute basics like you, you can beat trials for just teaching you like because you've got to go slow your clutch control has got to be perfect like you know because you're going slow as well like you've got to use your body to balance the bike and like trials riders get called bow legs because they're always like knees out and balancing the bike so i just think there's a lot of technique that can be learned from trials that just resonates to all the motorsports really yeah i actually was speaking about this with someone the other day you know even even in, in their own discipline sometimes you get to a point if you get to a point whether it be a lap time or whatever and you plateau it's quite 
easy to really try too hard to get to that next point where sometimes yeah. it's if you just chill out and focus on the basics which would be like braking accelerating making sure your lines are right you can end up yeah. going so much like so so much faster and it's so much easier for you if you just focus on those basics and like you say you know clutch control braking control balance you know uh, positioning everything like that you know if you focus on those little things it's all it's only going to help you isn't it yeah sometimes slow is fast like sometimes you do just need to like like often at a british championship I've, I've, where it's been normal enduro and we've been doing special tests i'll go in the special test and i'll be like that was so quick like i was pushing i was on the limit and then the, like the next lap i'll come around and be like that felt really slow but then the one that felt slow was actually faster than the one that felt fast because when I was pushing to go too fast, I'm actually not doing the stuff smoothly and I'm not doing the technique right. But when I'm like, that felt really slow, it's actually because everything's coming at me like slow almost because everything's going perfect and I'm doing everything right. And yeah, it's just weird how you actually just sometimes need to sit back, like you say, and just slow down and think about technique and it can often make you quicker without even feeling like you're going quick. Like. I, you know, it, it became really, really clear to me this year because um, the, the plan for this year for myself was to try and get a sub 50, 50 second lap round knock kill. Um, and, you know, the first part of the year, I was like 50.1, 50.0, 50.1. Like I could not get it at all. And I was trying so, so hard. Um, and then one of the tests we went to, I was like, right, I'm going to go out. I'm going to do like four or five laps to warm up just chill out, make sure I hit my markers, warm the bike, warm the brakes up and things like that. And on my second outlap, I done a 49.9 and I was like, I was not even trying, not even trying at all. Really? Oh, honestly, like it was, it was literally, you know, out the pits, completed one lap, done a second lap to just kind of start a little kind of stint. And I looked down my lap timer and it said 49.9 and I was like, that came really easy. So I just kept going and kept going and kept going. And I think I got down to like a 49.7 by the end of that day. And then we were racing at the end of the day. Yeah, Exactly, we were racing at the weekend uh, at the Scottish Championships. Um, we, we had a really strong weekend, and um, you know the fast. We, me and Greg O'Fillan, who's both of us are tied for the Scottish Superbike Championship just now. Um, you oh, know, really? lap after lap, we were just going faster and faster and faster. And I done like a forty nine four. My lap time I said forty nine three, but it was a forty nine four officially. And then Greg tried yeah. to catch me. He done a forty nine two. So like. The pace has just been so. You're just we're like battling, and it's neck to neck. But when yeah. it's like that, though, like I'd actually rather. I think I'd enjoy it more if there was two people and you're neck to neck, and it just feels like the racing's so good than being dominant. Dominant, like almost when you're dominant, it's it's kind of boring. Like you'd rather just because, as all when you're dominant, you're good. You might not be progressing as much as you could, but when you've got someone that's your level, that's when you're improving and when you're getting better. Like Yeah, in the Scottish Superbike Championship just now, there's like seven folk, six or seven folk who could all win it. I mean, at the weekend there, there was like five or six folk all under the 50-second lap times. That's, that's like crazy, honestly. It was so, so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is it a Scottish Championship next weekend at East Fortune? It's Scottish Championship next weekend at East Fortune. We've got British Superbikes uh, this weekend when we're... We're recording yeah. this, what date is today? The 7th of July. So um, recording this on the 7th of July. The BSB weekend's this weekend. Um, we're doing a wild card in the National Superstock class. And then the following weekend, we've got East Fortune. We've got a weekend off. And then we're back to not kill for the third round of the Scottish Championship in reverse direction. Yeah. So it's a busy yeah. month. It's going to be yeah, a yeah, busy yeah. month. Well, I'm going, I'm going to watch the youth Scottish motocross is on Saturday at Dune. So I'm going to watch that. And then there's a Scottish Heronhide Championship on Sunday at um, uh, Lauder or Fowler or somewhere like that. So I'm going to go watch them this weekend. Uh, this weekend, I but 
East Fortune's 10 minutes from me, so I'll come watch you next weekend for sure. Well, the, the only thing about it's it, it's just, yeah. I was going to say, not Kills allowed a thousand fans at the moment, but East Fortune's not allowed any at all, unfortunately, which is really annoying because we've not been to East Fortune for so long, so I'm really looking forward to going back to East Fortune, actually. Because um, East Logan, we're the worst way. Covid and stuff. Then I like probably yeah, why. yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, like looking, I think you know maybe in a, a few mo- a month or two's time, once things have calmed down a little bit, we'll definitely be allowed other other people in, which would be really good because it was okay. even at the weekend we had a thousand fans at Not Kill for the Scottish and just seeing people and be able to like you know give people a wave on the way by and you know getting getting a clap when you yeah. finish the race. It was just yeah, it was amazing. It's been right. a long, long time since we've been able to to do that. So. Yeah. That's what I was, to be honest, that's what I was looking forward to doing Super Enduro this year, because it's in an arena, and you get fans, and you get, and like, often when it's like that, I thrive off it, and I just love that, but in Enduro, because, like, sometimes my laps can be an hour long, so you're literally set off from the start line, and you just do not see, apart from riders, you do not see a soul for an hour, so it's very, like, a solo sport, and you just, yeah, you, like, you've got no, no one motivating you, no one, like, you can, like you could be out there for an hour and you're 40 minutes in and you're absolutely hating it and you've no one to motivate yourself but yourself so you just yeah. have to pull yourself out of it like. <laughs> yeah no it's definitely difficult and the fans definitely do make it much 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 better yeah. that's one thing Absolutely. i would actually say that you know people coming to watch bikes although you know they'll enjoy watching the racing us racers actually really enjoy having people there to cheer us on whether it be just as a clap yeah. at the end of the race or you know like whatever it may be we just love having people there so I would definitely say for anybody who's not been to any of the Scottish Championship events you know like do it because it's it, you know the racing's it's not obviously quite the um the level or the like the spectacle if you like of like a British Superbike or a touring car event or whatever but it's it's the racing still really really good it's normal people who are racing and it it's really good i think for for kids as well to come and show this is where you start this is where you can get to and then you know you can see all the progressions up and then, like i say the racing is really really good as well and then being in the paddock and even like talking to these kids and like they're watching you winning races or whatever and then they're coming talking to you like for them, it's just so motivating meeting people like these. Like at the time, you can think nothing of speaking to that kid, or you just think you chat to him. But that might be the moment that makes that kid be the next racer. Like exactly. No, yeah. I would definitely recommend anybody to come and watch, even if you if, if you're considering joining, come and watch and come when you're allowed to come and speak to people who do it because you know we're yeah. all very very friendly. Whether it be in road racing, motocross, whatever it is, you know we're a friendly bunch. You know it's. Um, yeah. If you want to come and speak to us, don't be scared to. I mean, we're all we're all most of us are quite open to, to chat, so definitely do that. Hundred percent. Um, we'll just quickly finish off then with some quick fire questions. So these ones are you can answer these as long or as short as you want, to be honest. Um, so the first question is, who's your biggest inspiration in the sport? I mean, you've actually got probably a couple. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you just now to speak about what your dad's role is within the SACU because surely that must be a bit of a, a motivation as well. Yeah my dad's yeah a huge motivation because what he does for the sport in SSU like I just what motivates me to want to be better every day is like I just look at my dad and it just seems like he wakes up every day and wants better like whether whatever way he's going about it I just seem constantly like just drive towards wanting better like he's always trying to push the bet the SSU to be the better sport he's always try to make it be the most modern or try to make like just the fact that every day I think he wakes up and he just wants better. It motivates me to be like, well, I want to be like that. I want to be better. I want better for myself. So 
yeah him and then like before like when we lived in england my dad worked with a lot of uh trials riders he worked with this no originally graham jarvis who now is i'd say the goat of hard enduro like there's like no one like him like the stuff he can do on a bike like even in videos it looks amazing but in person you're just like how is he doing that like it's yeah he's probably got the best technique in the world so my dad worked with him in trials and went to number three in the world with him so he was minder and mechanic for him and then he worked with sam connor who's a, like a big idol for me as well like sam always growing up was really good with me and even in like i remember one year in uh trials uh or at the scottish six day even sam always used to teach me in trials before you ride the section you get off the bike and you walk it to know where you're going and he would always teach me he's like now walk the section twice he's like once you've walked it turn around and go walk it again so we're in a section at the ssdt and it's like a riverbed and i'm standing at the top looking down and sam's walking it and there's a big crowd and sam's walking it, and i shout down and i'm like sam remember to walk the section twice and he's like cheers like <laughs> it's me like a little eight-year-old shouting to sam connor like he'd probably be battling to win the race at that point so yeah yeah um, graham jarvis my dad obviously and graham jarvis and sam have been huge motivations for me that's awesome that's awesome um, you know like from from what you've done and all the different, you know, the, the two disciplines and all over the world. And um, what's been your favourite course or your favourite track to take a trial? Or wh what, what do you call it in enduro? Is it a trial or is it just a, the circuit or? Uh, a track. Yeah, just oh, yeah. a track. Really. Yeah. Like motocross is a track, really. Yeah. What's been your favourite one to go to or what's been your favourite event to be at? I, I think, like, I'd probably say overall, but 100% trials, you just like cannot beat the SSDT for like just the places you, you just can't believe a motorbike can take you to these places. Like I've, I've had years at the Scottish where we're traveling across moors, like going across to like the tops of mountains almost. And I mind one year I was riding close to these boys from Devon and we're coming across the mountain. And uh, we got to the top and we started coming to snow because it was obviously that high up. <clears throat> and I mean, two of the riders have took off ahead of us and I was with one of the other uh, boys from Devon and they took off. We got to the top and then we started coming to snow and we're like, oh, this is cool. And then we came and there was a big pile of snow. Two of the riders were hiding behind the snow. They started making snowballs. And as we were coming, they're throwing snowballs at us. It's just <laughs> like, you just could not, get, like, it's just memories like that. Like, you get with the Scottish, the, the places it takes you. And yeah, unbelievable. Like, even the places I've been with Enduro, I just, it still struggles to beat the Scottish. Like, if I could take an Enduro bike where the Scottish goes, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and then next question. Can you tell us an interesting fact about yourself that nobody would know? You know, it can be outside motorsport, it can be inside motorsport, whatever. I don't know. I'd say I'm a fairly open person, so I don't know if there's a lot. I don't know. I'm a mummy's boy. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we I know, like, like, if people were to ask me, that's probably, like, I, if I'm any advice, or I'd, or I'd go to someone, I always speak to my mum about stuff, or always, if I'm feeling down, that's who I'd, like, look towards, or, yeah. That's my best friend, really. You know, I think that's so good as well because I think a lot of people are quite probably don't want to admit that. But we're yeah, all, yeah. I mean, like, I was thinking all... that I'm like, ah, I'll go for that. My mum's my best <laughs> friend, so I appreciate that. Like, Aye, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and then the next one, what what is one word that describes you best within 
you know, anything within just within life, what's the the one word that describes you best? Motivated. I think even my friends would say that. Like, even my friends sometimes they just don't understand. They're like, how how can you be so motivated? I'm just like, but I'm quite lucky because obviously now, like now, I do most of the time. I do what I love for like a living, pretty much. So I'm just like, how can I not wake up motivated every day? Like, but even before that, I felt like I've always just been a motivated person, and I've just understood the benefits of like graft like I just know that if I keep myself motivated and I just I just always look at the bigger picture and I know where it's going to take me like that's good that's it's like a you know it's quite it's quite a good thing I think because all of the the people that they've interviewed so far have all said something like that you know like resilient motivated you know determined things like that and I think it's quite an important message to put across that you know, you kind of do need to be that to do any sort of motorsport and just for anything. I mean, like you need to be, yeah. you need to have that drive to go and do anything, whether it be, you know, dancing or, you know, badminton, gymnastics, whatever it is, you need to have that drive to go and do it. So no, it's a definitely, I think it's been quite a good thing, actually, that everybody's said roughly the same thing. Yeah. Because, you know, we're, we're speaking to people who are at quite a high level and to get to that level, you, like we said earlier, you do need to put in, you know you, you put in you get out what you put in sorry yeah it's the most important attribute i think i like over talent over anything i like like unless you're motivated and you wake up wanting to do it every single day like you're just not going to be the best like the best way like wake up and live breathe and sleep this stuff like they just love it i think it's the same like i'm, I'm we're speaking about from a sporting point of view but um like yesterday was exam results day for my uni and you know like when i got okay. my results back i was like you know, like yes, like that's that's I've all you effort, it, yeah. yeah, like all the effort that I put in, like I was so scared that I didn't do enough to get what I wanted. And you know, when I got got my results, I was like, you know, like that makes all the you know, like the, the late nights and everything like that so so worth it. And it, it's the same and you know, what we're speaking about from a sporting point of view, but it's the same in everything, whether it be work or uni or you know, for the younger listeners, school. I mean, you know, like school it, you know at the time when you're racing when you're young I think like you're like oh, school's rubbish like I'm not wanting to do school but yeah, yeah, yeah. actually it's like you know like the, the effort that you put in school like if you're a motivated person I would say mo use your motivation and everything that you do don't just place it all on the one thing like obviously you need to in certain respects but um you know like try and like divvy up that motivation so that everything that you do everything 100% and it's it's tiring and it's hard but you know you reap the rewards of it 100% yeah well, I'll not mention like how I was at school because the school <laughs> passed that one. Like, <laughs> I was always motivated, but I just struggled with school. Like, I, but at the same time, I maybe struggled with school, but I always had a goal, and I knew I'm going to leave at 16, and I'm going to go get an apprenticeship, and I was always focused. So maybe I didn't apply myself as well as I could at school, but I still had the goal, and I still knew where I wanted to go. So yeah, that, it's that, hard to know at that age, but yeah. Is and, and you know that's an important message as well. Just because you don't exactly probably get what you want from school, if that's what you, if that's what happens, or if you've got a goal out with school, that's for instance like an apprenticeship or something like that, then that you know you you, you use your motivation for that. You know you don't just yeah. like it's it's everybody's completely different and everybody's situation's completely different. So no, definitely hundred percent. You know, be being that resilient person and that motivated person is so important. But you know you can use it for so many different things. Um, so very last question is other than to be fair you kind of spoke about it actually you know like other than um your 
enduro and trials and things like that. Do you have any other hobbies? You know, obviously you spoke about swimming and stuff like that. So is that would that be the other hobby? Yeah, I'd, I'd like probably if I wasn't doing enduro, I would quite like to go for triathlon. Like I would really like to try and compete in that. It's hard because I feel like every time I get a hobby, it's never a hobby. It always turns into like, oh, I could be competitive in this. I could do well in this. Like what? But yeah, I really enjoy triathlon training, and then I love mountain biking as well. It's I think mountain biking is really the closest thing to enduro you can train without an engine. So yeah, I enjoy yeah. my mountain biking. Yeah, you know, like it's one of the questions that um, it's a, it's quite a difficult one because you can take it from so many different things. So like for instance, I'd be the same as you. I enjoy I really enjoy cycling. I've really started to enjoy going to the gym, um, but. You know, for me personally as well, I love going out for dinner. That's one of my hobbies, going out for dinner, <laughs> you know, doing things like that. Like, that's that's something else that I think is a really important thing to do. Like, although, yeah. although like, our hobbies and although our sport is, like, the main focus of our life, you also kind of need to have a bit of a normal, if you want to call it yeah, that, life, yeah. don't you? Like you a break to... that's got nothing to do with it. It's like, you need that Absolutely. time away when you can just switch off from it. Like, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so that's kind of us, us kind of done, unless you want to speak about anything else. No, that's it. Just all covered. Again, a bit, maybe like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, if um, if you want to just give a shout out to any of your social media, any sponsors, or anybody you want to, to thank or shout out, just batter in. Yeah, uh, my Instagram's big underscore stu underscore 15. Uh, I've got a Facebook page as well, which is just Stuart Mac. Um, yeah. Just thanks to all my sponsors going out to uh, MRS, uh, Malcolm Raffle Sport. They're the Shirko importers. So that's the race team I ride for. Other sponsors, Infusion CBD, they've been helping me load, especially with my cover at the minute. It's been mega. Um, Jove, they're a muscle rub. So yeah, I'm tight all the time at the minute doing rehab. So that's been mega. What else? I get help from CID Sport, Apico, uh, Michelin, Enduro Tires. Yeah. Loads of people that are just helping in the background. And then, yeah, obviously, at the minute, I'm racing semi-professional. But, yeah, I'm always looking for sponsors or people that pretty much I'm trying to fund myself all the time to get to World Championships. So any sponsors that want to get involved and help a young, motivated lad trying to go travel the world race, like, yeah, get in contact. What's the best way to get in contact? Have you got, like, a specific email address or is it just through the social media platforms? Uh, so my Instagram or my email is stuart.w.m at live.co.uk. So yeah, I'm always sending emails out to companies, but yeah, email, if companies could email me, that'd be mega. Because I travel so much, like I would just love to get in with a, a haulage company, like a fuel card would just be amazing. Like that'd be the best sponsor ever, I think. Like, <laughs> you know, Honestly, like um, I think that a lot of people who listen to this probably, they'll understand the importance of sponsorships and stuff like that. But people will probably have no idea, like, you know, riding in the Scottish Superbike Championship, you know, doing what you do on the, the world stage. The, the cost is extremely expensive and we must oh. send, you know, thousands upon thousands of emails to companies with sponsorship proposals and yeah. stuff like that. And it's, it's so, so difficult. So no, definitely, um, you know, if you have a business or you're an individual, you know, speaking, you know, if you listen to any of our guests and, you know, get in contact with them because, um, and even me, I race too, the um, <laughs> It um, doesn't even have to be thousands. Like any help is welcome. Like, anything like oh oh helps in the day like then the day where the biggest cost is obviously fuel because you're i'm driving all the time pretty much but yeah there's so many things tires clothing like so yeah 
any help really helps get there really like you say i mean even if if you're a, a business who can you know offer like a kind of title or commercial sponsorship then obviously that's the you know it's a huge it's a completely unique advertising opportunity um and then as an individual like you say you know even if it's just someone who you know maybe wants to help with you know a ten, 10 pound or a fiver or whatever yeah, it is yeah. like or pays you know, an entry or something daft like that yeah exactly exactly so no definitely um you know if if anybody is considering sponsoring a sport or anybody you know if, if you think oh i couldn't give much or but i want to give something you know well we're not you know i mean we'll not like screw our nose our nose up yeah like you're only giving me this much yeah yeah. (laughs) we we appreciate every little thing so no absolutely even like people that maybe think i could help you but i also want to get involved with the sport like if you're literally just interested because you're also interested in the sport like you're i'm always willing to help people always willing to do training anything like get in contact with stuff like that as well like yeah that does, that's actually a really good point you know I, I, during the week um, I posted a sponsorship proposal on Facebook and posted it to all these different pages and stuff like that um, and uh, I, um, a guy called Kyle who is now our sponsor up the side of the bike his company is Advanced Hot Tub Central and he's a track day goer um, and just this morning we booked on to a track day on the 26th up at Not Kill doing reverse direction uh, and we're going to go out and do a track day together just just as just for fun Perfect. just for some fun I mean like yeah. that's silly things like that that you know like i'll right. give them some coaching and and stuff like that like it's not it's it's you know we're not going to just like take your money and then never speak to you ever again like yeah 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 like it's a proper it's about relationship. The in the relationship as much as it is the money like yeah 100 percent. absolutely absolutely so i mean i'm sure we'll have you back on at some point in the next maybe even in the next year and um, once you're back yeah. back up to speed and um back racing so no def thank you very yeah. much for joining us no worries. And yeah, as soon as it's possible for me to come to a race, I'd be loving to come see some type of road racing stuff as well. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Perfect. Cheers.